And good morning and welcome to the BSA Capital 5 Minute Morning Minor. It's Tuesday the 10th of August and we so often start talking about the weather, don't we, Paul? But the good news is that after a pretty horrible rainy day yesterday and weekend, I think we've now got two weeks without any rain. Are you are you promising? I hope so. Uh, I'm promising, yeah. That's my <laughs> promising or forecasting. Similar sort of things in this game. Anyway, you promised yesterday you'd talk about Barrick Q2 production results because they were out overnight. So you better talk about them. Yes, this was late yesterday when they made their reporting, as is uh, they usually release prior to the open in the New York and Toronto markets, and they've done so again yesterday. Uh, nine cents a share quarterly dividend declared, along with a 14 cents per share special dividend as well. Production for the second quarter was impacted by a, a mill failure at Carlin Mine, but uh, they remain on course to uh, meet their guidance for the year, they say. Net earnings per share were 23 cents uh, and adjusted net was 29 cents. The, during the quarter, the Phase 6 uh, heap leach facility at the Veladero Mine in South America was commissioned. And the third shaft at Turquoise Ridge in Nevada was uh, completed or sunk to final depth. They also came to an agreement with the various government and the local stakeholders around the Pueblo Viejo gold mine in the Dominican Republic. And that clears the way for a sulfide mine expansion there to extend the mine life out to 2040. They also sold the uh, existing uh, partial interest in the Lagunas Norte deposit in South America that they had uh, during the period as well. Their gold production was off just a little bit at just over a million ounces in the quarter, but their copper production was down 20% year on year to 96 million pounds. Total cash costs uh, up only slightly less than 1% quarter on quarter and year on year. And AISC costs a similar amount, uh, $729 and uh, $1,087 US respectively. And nice cash uh, position of $5 billion to do more deals. Ah, more deals. We like that. That is a lot of cash, isn't it? $5 billion. But I think they're looking for bigger and bigger reserves, aren't they? I mean, you, you used to sort of say anything over 3 million ounces. It's probably gone up, hasn't it, Paul? Yeah, Rangold's number was uh, 3 million ounces or better as far as reserves is concerned, but the combined entity and being one of the top five gold producers in the world here, uh, in order to move the needle as far as the significance in, within the portfolio, and given the individual deposits they now have in portfolio, they I think they're looking for plus 10 million ounce uh, reserves uh, deposits going forward. But, I mean, pull it on that many reserves out there that have that sort of size, are there? Uh, there are more of them than you might suspect, but the key point is uh, they're also on a project level, they're looking for very large uh, project land positions in order to be able to uh, pull a cluster of deposits together for an overall reserve of that size. So has it still got to have, a, what sort of grade would they need then? So, I mean... Um, well, grade, grade can actually vary quite a bit depending upon the style of mineralization. Uh, if it's a porphyry gold deposit, for instance, they would be happy with a really big deposit that ran only one gram per ton. But uh, if it's a more of an epithermal or mesothermal style of a deposit of, of quartz veining and so forth, they would probably want... Uh, open pit uh, grades over two grams for sure, and then an underground grade that would be well in excess of uh, seven to 10 grams, I would say. Hmm. 
Well, I mean, it's a slight red herring, but I tell you, it was interesting. I was watching Michael Patillo and his train journeys program on telly last night, and he was doing Queensland. And I mean, I hadn't realised that Queensland, just one state of Australia, well, I hadn't realised, but it just reminded me, is eight times the size of the whole of the United Kingdom. Just makes you realise how damn big it is. And obviously, it's in areas like that you could find huge reserves, but they're likely to probably be lower grade, but over a massive area, aren't they? Well, that's it. There's awful lots of the world, essentially, that is under shallow cover of some kind, uh, whether it's uh, under glacial till or uh, under uh, well-developed soils or uh, sand dunes and that sort of thing. Just huge areas uh, that uh, yet uh, are hiding some kind of deposit of size. Mm. I also noticed uh, the lockdown in Queenstown, which was a three-day lockdown, has, has stopped. So... Queensland will be opening up again. I guess we'll be seeing drilling back and drilling results coming out of there because there's a lot happening. Um, anyway, uh, what else you want to comment on today, Paul? Anything quickly? Yes, uh, we had that climate report come out uh, yesterday. Uh, that was by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And this is the sixth assessment report to release yesterday. That was the first update since 2013. It is pretty sobering reading when you look at it there because it goes into good detail on the physical science and the uh, technological improvement that we've had since 2013 and being able to measure uh, the factors contributing to climate change. Um, but uh, one of the key points I would have to point out is that the uh, climate lobby is really trying to uh, tack on to the uh, uh, statement that the uh, UN Secretary General made that he was calling for an end to all fossil fuel development globally as a result of this release. But the thing is, is the uh, the report itself uh, is uh, completely non-committal on to uh, any kind of blame calling on any specific uh, sector um, which uh, is contributing to uh, the greenhouse gas emissions. So it's uh, something that we're all responsible for, I would say, and therefore it's something that has to be a joint effort. Well, code red is what they said. I mean, look, obviously there's a lot talked about climate change. We've got COP26 coming up in, I think it's uh, 99 days uh, which in Glasgow, which is going to be pretty important. But of course, the mining industry is quite key for climate change. It sounds a bit perverse, but it is um, because obviously they mine lithium and vanadium and all these things that are going to make uh, renewable energy actually works. It only works when you've got storage um, because the wind and the sun isn't always there. So it's quite interesting how it connects. I mean, the other thing, Paul, that I think is interesting, again, I'll tell you, I was watching telly again last night, Guy Martin and, the, and developing the world's fastest electric car, um, but he was also testing out uh, basically mining, electric mining diggers. Uh, and that's what mines got to do, isn't it? Mines have got to go renewable. So they've actually, they power themselves off of wind and solar. And then those big dumper trucks and things we see, they all need to become electric, which is pretty easy to do, I thought. I mean, then you've actually got one of a fairly sort of green mining industry. I wouldn't say that it's easy, but it is uh, certainly within the technically feasible to be able to make it at commercial scale within a 10-year period. Uh, my own view is I don't think that we'll probably see, at least uh, among uh, Western nations, uh, a uh, mine after 2030 that would not be designed as an electric mine with electric equipment uh, and won't be using fossil fuels at all, either at surface or underground. So. 
the all sectors of the world uh, need to uh, essentially look at uh, how they can uh, rather dramatically change how they produce and consume uh, things. And uh, they used to say, I think, reduce, reuse, and recycle. And I think that is even more important now. Anyway, uh, I think it could actually happen much quicker than that because economics drives all of these things and it still isn't quite economic, but it's only a matter of time. Uh, we, we rather drifted away from mining there into climate change, but I hope people have enjoyed that. Um, and there wasn't much news today, so we'll call it a day there, Paul, and we'll pick up again tomorrow. Very good. See you then.